This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. There he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Command Center Cave here. And we're in the Maryland Law Studio. Maryland Law has 50 years of experience, as you know. It's the only official law firm partner for the Florida Gators, and they won't back down. We're protected 24-7 by crime prevention, so worry less with crime prevention security systems. And contact them at cpss.net. Excuse me, excuse me. Check out the uh, Monk Shots, uh, brought to you by Maurice D. McDaniel, 45,000 hits a month to see who is being locked up in our local jail. Well, 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 I've got to... um, give you an update here uh, on some things. And I'm going to start out um, basically local as I've been doing and um, fill you in on some things that are disturbing citizens in the city of Gainesville. What is, what is not disturbing them? You might imagine. <clears throat> you might've been hearing about this and that is, uh, and it's a nationwide issue. Obama first started it. And that is the idea of putting into neighborhoods where people are, um, bought their houses and worked hard and, um, you know, sent their kids to school and all that business when putting affordable housing right in the middle of it. <clears throat> and people say, what's so bad about affordable housing? Well, you got to understand the code words. All housing is affordable if you can pay for it. But what they're saying really in code is when we put these houses in these neighborhoods where people could afford their houses and paid their mortgages and went to work, uh, these people are not going to be able to afford their uh, uh, mortgages or afford to actually live there like the others. So we got to find a way to augment or pay for, make up uh, the difference between what the people we want to put into these neighborhoods can afford and what regular people can afford who've been in the neighborhoods and bought into the neighborhoods. And uh, <clears throat> we, uh, we just think this is the right thing to do because after all, inclusion, inclusion, inclusion. And so if it's inclusion, we wanna put these people who really, let's face it, the reason you su- are successful is that you took advantage of these people who can't afford to be where you are. So the government needs to step in and make it a level playing field. Now that's communism. That's really what has happened in the Ukraine, for example. I have a story here, um, which is a very good illustration of this has also happened in um, uh, once upon a time in Cuba. In Ukraine uh, last month, an armed group uh, turned up at a farmer's farm uh, and told the workers there that land was being nationalized and now belonged to them. I will submit to you that affordable housing is a form of nationalization, if you will, or uh, government-owned property. Uh, So 
Moscow's invasion of Ukraine has, in this case, captured some of the most productive agricultural land in what has always been one of the world's great uh, bread baskets. Uh, and in so doing, it's disrupted uh, supplies and it's pushed up food prices. But these Russian forces have stolen grain and equipment, uh, the Ukrainian government farmers say, and now entire farms are being taken. The same thing happened in South Africa, after apartheid. Um, <clears throat> the uh, farmers there had their farms taken over. Uh, the same thing happened in Cuba. It's the allegation of land theft that is one of the characteristics of communist takeover of private property. It's um, become increasingly common in parts of Ukraine, which are now occupied by Russian forces. And um, the farmers there in Ukraine say the groups just show up at the farm gate, identify themselves as uh, Russian fighters, and uh, take their land by gunpoint and steal it, basically, and tell the farmers then um, that this collective farm is now ours, uh, the Russians, and uh, you're going to work for us. Uh, you're not going to work for yourself. And um, um, that's, that's the way it's going to be because we are the superior force and uh, you, you're going to have to do what we tell you to do or, or we'll take care of that. You know how that works. So this is not, the reason I read that into the record, students, is that this is not all that different from affordable housing. The code word for affordable housing is really government ownership. Now, let me, let me provide you with some basic real estate understandings. Yes, the government does buy back mortgages. And yes, um, these mortgages are sold and then people invest in them and get a return. But there's a secret government-sponsored enterprise that's going on with Fannie Mae that has really uh, got built into it a racial bias. And this is what I want to just alert my students to here, my listeners. Uh, this is all part of really the anxiety in the country right now. I, I uh, uh, talk about this as uh, today's show as the summer of anxiety. Uh, you haven't seen anything yet. As we get closer to the elections, things are going to become more and more anxious. Uh, of course, the, uh, the Democrats are going to try to draw out the January 6th thing as long as they can to keep your eye off what is actually happening. But here is something that is really going on that you may not know unless you come to Professor Warthog's class and listen to some of the things that he's researched. And then you may be able to continue the research on your own. But the Biden administration has really uh, infiltrated, if you will, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and is put into Fred, uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. It's what's called its woke agenda. And what is woke agenda in the mortgage business? And this is in the opinion page of the Wall Street Journal last week. And the, the, the analysis is pretty darn right on. Having been a broker in real estate, I have a lot of understanding of how this works. So what happens is um, uh, the government-sponsored enterprises promote a housing equity. Now, that is really what is meant 
when you hear the term affordable housing. Affordable housing really means housing equity. It means we're going to make it possible for people who do not otherwise have the ability to live in your neighborhood, to live in your neighborhood by making sure that we give them, after all, a leg up since the only reason you live in that neighborhood is you or your ancestors ripped these people off or their ancestors. So uh, this is basically called race-based subsidies. Now, the, uh, this is the politicalization of home lending. And, and, you know, wouldn't you know that there isn't a thing that we can't politicize um, and radicalize? So the translation is, when you look at this affordable housing, the translation is the woke agenda, those who believe in it, and certainly the boy named Lauren and all of his people at the Gainesville City Commission are extreme lefties. And um, they will they will be, by the way, Ray, they have tried that. Don't think they aren't thinking about putting affordable housing in Martha's Vineyard. Um, they've tried doing it in uh, Westchester, New York. If you haven't been to Westchester, uh, you would go to one of the uh, really, that's where the Westchester Country Club is. Um, so the translation is that the woke agenda, uh, uh, agenda the woke uh, Democrats, if you will, must find a way to boost the minority ownership, home ownership, no matter, and it's going to be subsidized by the taxpayers. So when we've had government bailouts before of bad mortgages. Now, I've, I was the chair of an affordable housing committee in the city of Elantra for a year. And I can tell you that, that um, um, there's a lot of built-in issues here. Affordable, which buyer? The first, then can then that first buyer subsidized by the government then turn around and sell that equity to somebody uh, just as if it had been a normal purchase and oh, the whole bunch of complicated legal matters come in. So it's not as simple as simply saying, we'll make the uh, uh, mortgage affordable for you by using taxpayer money to subsidize it. But that's what Biden has made it. So the uh, Fannie Mae plan uh, would effectively require taxpayers to subsidize. And it's just black borrowers. It's not Hispanic borrowers. It's not Asian borrowers. It's only black borrowers. So Fannie Mae's plan would effectively require taxpayers to subsidize down payments for black borrowers. Um, and by the way, most mortgages require uh, home buyers to put down at least 20% of the cost of a new home. And that uh, reduces supposedly the risk of default. So uh, this is called a, pro this program is called, and I know you wouldn't know this had I, did I not bring it to class today and dis to discuss it with you. Uh, this program is called loan level price adjustments for black home buyers. And um, this is going to be a, a government program using taxpayer funding to support the reduction of borrowing costs for black home buyers. Now, where will the affordable housing go? Well, where the mortgages subsidize the ownership or some other form of subsidy 
subsidizes the home ownership and whom will be the target. So there's a built-in racial anxiety to people living in neighborhoods where they thought they had control of those around them. Not that they're against black folk moving in, but people should live in that neighborhood who can rightfully and similarly afford to live in that neighborhood. Uh, that is the issue. Uh, we're not concerned here about, as homeowners, the black couple across the street from us because they have jobs and children, they send them children to school, and that's that case closed. What we're concerned about is the black owner across the street, and I'm not making this racial, the federal government is, because these mortgages are only available to black borrowers. So we're concerned about the black borrower across the street who can't afford to live in that neighborhood. And it will always have issues. Or if it had not had issues, it would have been there already in the neighborhood. So this is something that's going on that uh, it's government sponsored. It's called the government sponsored enterprise. It's called it. GSE equity plan, a government sponsored enterprise. Now, affordable housing is a government sponsored enterprise. All right. But they don't say that. So when you see how low can you go bow tie po and uh, the boy named Lauren and uh, pudgy banana pudding Harvey and all that and the communist uh, commissioner, Cinco, whatever name is, um, voting for this stuff, they are voting for government-sponsored enterprise equity programs. And the, where the money comes from when you endorse a government-sponsored program doesn't concern the commissioners because they've already bought in to the idea that the government should own everybody and, uh, and therefore we don't need farmers who own their own farm. Those farms should be collectivized. Uh, the grain production should be nationalized. Um, you, get the, you get the picture, do you not? So the government housing subsidies, you got to remember this also, according to this analysis, it always starts small and expands as they develop a vested uh, constituency. Now, once you have these houses, in these neighborhoods, they're not going away, okay? They are not going away. So <clears throat> the, uh, the, the, the government-sponsored constituency will remain, and probably what will happen is the homeowner who worked by the sweat of his or her brow will probably leave the neighborhood. So there goes, quote-unquote, your neighborhood. And neighborhoods, I would suspect if you've ever been in a solid one, understand, is the backbone of the culture. Home ownership, schools are in relationship to neighborhoods, uh, traffic patterns, everything. So you, you wonder what in the world is going to be the end result of this. So owners are, are, are easily going to show up who have borrowed more than they can repay. And the reason they borrow more than they re can repay is they've gotten, gotten a subsidy from the taxpayer 
government-sponsored enterprise equity program. But sooner or later, that portion of the government contribution, if you just do the math, is going to have to increase, not decrease. So the other thing about the uh, version of this in the city of Gainesville is that this has been going forward, whether you like it or not. Everything I've been able to hear from people who live in neighborhoods is that these officials don't listen to the people who live in the neighborhoods. They're hell and be damned to make this work because they really believe, I guess, that's where the votes are. Either that or they have totally swallowed hook, line, and sinker the woke religion. Now, you remember the left, the, the state is God, not God. And that's one of the very specific differences between uh, the left, those so-called left, and the so-called right. There, the God is dead for the left. It's all about the state. The state's going to provide happiness here on earth. So it's going to have to be expanded and it's going to be vested and it's going to uh, be expensive and more and more such. So these programs don't tend to disappear. And the weird things about this particular Fannie Mae program is it does not extend, to, as I say, to other racial groups such as Hispanics and Asians. And furthermore, get this now, low-income white borrowers are also excluded. So the analysis, the end analysis of this is it is probably unconstitutional, but it's, it's very difficult to challenge these government-sponsored enterprises, although uh, that would be one place you would think it would go is to the courts, but there are a lot of people who think the courts are as corrupted as other institutions in the government. Um, so um, making home ownership affordable, nobody disputes that. God knows, I mean, but that should be done in the marketplace, not by government manipulation of subsidies. But, you know, people who complain about this will say, what well, you have VA loans, but VA loans are different. VA loans are for guys who've gone out and done something for the country. And uh, those loans are earned, if you will, by service to the country. And they're not racially sensitive. So the meanwhile, housing costs, as you know, have become inflationary. And this has to be factored in to what the meaning of the word affordable really is. It's, uh, it's not like most things as simple as you may think it is. So I just wanted to spend some time with you on this because this is one of the quote unquote hot potatoes in the city of Gainesville. And as I say, you're talking to somebody here who has a great deal of experience with studying and researching affordable housing. And it never occurs in the research that our committee did without help from the government. And so what form of help does 
the government a take. In this case, it's taking a racially purely, you can see, racially biased form. Now, if the white folks were to try that and say we're only going to allow these subsidized uh, mortgages to be available to poor whites, um, you can imagine uh, the fire and brimstone that would result from that advocacy. So um, I, I want that to be uh, something that the students, my student dance, are aware of. And I want to, I want to thank you all who, uh, to, who sponsor this show, R&R Construction, Lance Loner, uh, On the Spot Cleaners, uh, a great outfit, you know, Shoot GTR, all these sponsors and the donations that you all give. Because I just tell you, I can't reveal it all right now, but we're on the, we're on the cusp maybe of being able to significantly uh, be recognized on a much broader scale, uh, the Ward Scott Files. I've been contacted, in the I won't go into the details because they're just uh, in the very early stages, but I've been contacted by people who have been watching this program who say you are the voice in this community and we want to uh, become involved with you. Um, that's quite a compliment when you consider uh, the radio stations and the radio guys and you consider the newspaper, you consider the television, uh, and these are some heavy hitters. I can tell you that. I don't really get excited about it because it's just in its early talking stages. But I will tell you that these people that have contacted me are committed to fighting for America, if you will, fighting for the institutional integrity that we've, in their opinion, we've lost. Um, they, I, I feel uh, quite honored that that to be have to been. I did not initiate the contact. That they initiated the contact with me. So and and really asking what form it should take. I I don't really have an answer right now except to say that we're going to be talking about it and studying how to best shape this voice here you're listening to into a very very effective and much broader. Uh, 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 audience than even where because we're you know there's a couple you know the perplexing issues are that we we, we not any radio stations um, that don't play the music or something you know all that kind of stuff and then you know we're at we're, we're, we're at the mercy of these YouTubes and and and, and Facebooks and, and so we got to figure out a way to really break free and uh, you know talk as clearly and honestly as we can. Now, you know, the word Scott Files doesn't talk about things unless it's well-researched and documented. And I always try to source what I give you. Although as, 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 as the press, I'm not bound to reveal the source. Uh, I'm only honor bound to tell you there is a source. And insofar as you trust me, uh, then that, that makes that rapport viable. Uh, I want to uh, i do a, another analysis here with you uh, in a moment uh, about uh, a couple of things that are tangential, perhaps, to what I'm talking about and, and let you know uh, a little bit why this is a summer of anxiety. Uh, before I do, though, before we take our bottom of the arm break, I want to point out an irony to you. 
can we play, please, uh, uh, production, our, since you all like it so much, our Corrine Brown song? I think I can. Yes. We're going to play this for you because I'm getting a follow-up after this for you on Corrine Brown. There was a rep named Corin Brown She had the biggest mouth around She thought she was the smartest rep in heels Well, she started up a non-profit And somehow made money off it And got involved in quite some dirty deals She's in the jailhouse now She's in the jailhouse now That's not the way a charity runs She won't be having fun She's in the jailhouse now I let you Stammer, don't put me in the slammer. I only did what all the others do. I thought my donors were trickable, but the judge said that's despicable. And then away the key he threw. She's in the jailhouse now. She's in the jailhouse now. They locked the cell on poor Corinne. This one she'll never win. She's in the jailhouse now. I let you This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Shoot GTR, on-the-spot dry cleaners, r r construction, and style cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files and remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said 
is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. A warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. All right, welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Hall. Ward Scott here in the Manly Warhol Command Center. You just saw the little Warhol chase that guy up that thing. Well, we're talking about Corrine Brown because Matthew Wilson, the Washington Examiner, has found it interesting to write about. And he uh, reminds us of the following, that uh, she's running for Congress again, as I announced uh, a few days ago. She served more than two years in federal prison uh, on a litany of mail and tax fraud charges. Oops, I said the word uh, on litany of mail and tax beep charges. Um now, she was uh, represented the Jacksonville area, and then she had that dog leg rep- um, carved out gerrymandered district uh, for 24 years, and she was finally defeated in a 2016 Democratic primary. Uh, 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 and that, that, that was um, because of a newly drawn 10th congressional district. So when she left Congress then, uh, I'm just going through a, a resume of her she was convicted. Now, not charged and not adjudicated, you know, not, not all that soft stuff, but convicted of 18 federal crimes, including wire beep, mail beep, uh, filing false tax returns, and a conspiracy in a case uh, stemming from this charity where she took money from the little chillin' uh, that she used, according to the court case, as a slush fund to pay for vacations and lavish parties and personal expenses. I don't know if you can get a more damning um, summation of a public official's behavior than that. You would think, at least you would think that. But, you know, we live in an upside down universe. So the charity, which was called One Door Education, uh, allegedly received over $830,000 in contributions to fund scholarships. Now, here we go. It's back to my original premise about George Floyd. George Floyd in Minneapolis ripped off another brother. The kid who he gave the $20 counterfeit bill to was another black guy. Minority ripping off minority. It's a common story. So in this case, One Door Education allegedly received over $830,000 in contributions to fund scholarships for guess who? Low-income students. But it actually paid out only $1,200, and the rest of the $830 remained in Corrine Brown's personal bank accounts. So she was sentenced to five years in the jug, in the federal jug, in December 2017, she complained there, I remember, about the bed being too hard or too soft or something. 
and she served more than two years of her sentence. And then she was finally released in April 2020 because they thought that COVID might get her. And um, so she used that. She's pretty darn clever. She, she used that to get out of the jug. Now, uh, her conviction was later overturned by a federal appellate court because there was a juror who stood up and said that Jesus told him she was innocent. And so they, challenged, they, they dismissed that juror and then that became challenged. But Brown saw the handwriting on the wall. You remember, there must be some way out of here, said the joker to the thief. Well, she finally pleaded, uh, pleaded guilty to a single felony charge of lying on her tax returns because she didn't want to go back to a new trial. She was worried about this. Uh, I can guarantee you this, this, this um, retirement that, you know, they all want and they're all on the government teat, if you will. And so uh, she wanted to avoid a new trial and she you know, wanted to get credit for everything she'd been through. So here's the nitty gritty. As a result of her guilty plea, she is a convicted felon. But she's nevertheless still constitutionally eligible to seek federal office. Now, if you want to look this up, go to the 2002 Congressional Research Service Report. And she has claimed all along, she's played the race card, that her conviction has shown her firsthand the inequality of the American judicial system. And so she's going to run, of course, on the race car. And she's going to play the experienced victim. And she has gone on to say on her website that there are far too many innocent people wrongly imprisoned. Uh, I'm just looking at the guys in the Alachua County jug who, who uh, the rap sheets they had, I don't know, I don't think they were wrongly in the jug. But anyway, she says, that I'm going to stand up and, and right these wrongs. So now she's become an advocate for the lawbreakers. Now, this woman's very clever as a politician. That resonates, understand me now, with the woke left Democrat Party. You see it all through here. We don't have any inmates cleaning our roads in Alachua County because you see it just didn't give the right impression about Alachua County. That was all done by the communist commissioner, uh, Captain Planet, Karl Marx Hutch Hutchison and his crew, uh, the, his, uh, the, Mike Barley's assistant, uh, the thin-skinned water boy. Uh, that crowd jumped on that and said, oh, yeah, yeah, they're all lefties, and they all decided that there's just too many innocent people. The reason we have the mugshots on the Ward Scott files is because the, the lefties said, oh, geez, those people are stigmatized. They're on those mugshots, so don't put them in the newspaper. Well, I can tell you from the 45,000 hits we have a month that you all want to know. So uh, she has said that she's going to stand up to right these wrongs, which are, of course, racial wrongs, and fight for those who are being denied. And here she goes, God-given rights to freedom, justice, 
and the ability to participate in our democratic system. But what she leaves out is the God-given right to due process. Now, she went through due process. Nobody railroaded her through the court system. She played every angle she could possibly play, and she still couldn't become scot-free. So there she is. She has figured it out. Now, this woman is nobody's sucker. She knows how this all works. And she's now saying that her running is like a calling. She's like a minister who has a calling. And she's prayed over this. Now, here is the real nitty gritty. Um, I've got here in my hands the reason she will never, are you ready for this? Is kind of be able, she's a convicted felon, never be able to vote for herself. Have you got it? Did you hear what I said? United States Constitution, as my friend, uh, um, the diver Bailey always says it. He always says it. Constitution. Well, when the Constitution allows her to run, the state of Florida Constitution doesn't until she pays back what she stole, right? So the court, and I have the document right here, thanks to our instigator investigator. Um, our data programmer, who is a thorn in the side of those who try to hide uh, from the truth. Um, what do you think she'd have to pay back if she were to be able to vote for herself? And I assure you, uh, she's not going to be paying it back because she can run. Her restitution is $62,650.99, as they say in Georgia. They don't say cents, they say cent. $62,650.99. She'd have to cough up. Okay? Now, she's on supervised release. So if they need to collect DNA or anything like that, according to the supervised release, the probation officer will demand it and get it. Now, uh, if the dependent, and this is in the court document we have here, makes a partial payment, each payee shall receive an approximately proportioned payment unless specified otherwise in the priority order or percentage payment column below. And the Internal Revenue Service is the payee. The Internal Revenue Service wants $62,650.99 from Corrine Brown. That's your United States government, but your United States government don't disallow her from running. But your state government does disallow her from voting for herself until she pays 
the United States government. I don't know what to make of the world, my friends. I'm as curious about it as some of you are. It is really more than passing strange, is it not? So there you are. There you are. Now, my good friend and tremendous supporter of this show, uh, Plantation Mark, just made reference a moment ago to a battle for the airways. And, I, and he, he's on the ball. He's very informed. And he knows that in Miami, my good friends, there is a huge battle going on for the Hispanic airways. As far as I know, the right, so-called right, doesn't have anything comparable to George Soros. George Soros, the Hungarian billionaire, finances a prosecutor, woke prosecutor races. He is involved in every aspect of our democracy that he can pry his fingers into. And he supplies the money. Now, what he is doing is he is buying up radio stations. And uh, this is, I've been trying to tell the people here locally that the Ward Scott Files is right now a lonely voice in the wilderness. Uh, to the extent that you all share this show and to the extent that you word of mouth, there's still a whole bunch of people out there who don't know how to find me. And, and you know, I'm a lonely voice. And I mean, there's no other. Well, I'm, I'm telling you that whoever the people who contacted me told me you're the only voice in this community. So we want to figure out how to expand it. Well, what I've told them is you need to think big. Big, 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 because obviously Soros does. Uh, the Radio Mambi, I think I'm pronouncing it right, correct me. It's a popular Spanish language talk radio station that has spent their airtime uh, criticizing, of course, Cuba's communist leaders. And the Democrats uh, uh, want to get this shut down. And they have been, because the Democrats are right in there with the communist uh, Cuban leaders. Uh, as I said, we've got a communist uh, Cuban on our Gainesville City Commission. Um, we, uh, Karl Marx Hutchison might as well have been a member of the party. Uh, these state-owned advocacies are communist advocacies. I just illustrated that by the takeover of Ukrainian farmland by the Russians. So uh, this uh, Radio Mambi uh, was founded in 1980s by a Cuban exile businessman, and it became a fixture on Miami's airwaves. Uh, it has been a flashpoint uh, in this large debate that we're going, that I'm a, I'm, I'm a part of, and that is free speech and misinformation. And uh, the, the, the deal now is, that is perturbing is that in uh, uh, the, the, the South Florida radio giant is going to have new owners, the Latino Media Network. It is a startup founded by two Latins who built their careers working for Democrats. And so they have just reached a $60 million deal uh, to purchase 18 radio stations, including Radio Mambi, 
And believe me, my friends, guys like me are out here on a plank by ourselves. I mean, I have a person right now I'm trying to get to sponsor the show who can easily afford it. I'm not going to tell you who it is. This person is a Republican. This person is upset about the same things we talk about every day on the show. But when I approach this person about advertising on the show, the person says, well, my business doesn't need to advertise. What this person doesn't understand is you're not advertising your business on this show. I mean, well, some of you are. You are helping support the voice that is being smothered everywhere else. They did not get that. And here's evidence of it. Here's evidence of it. 18 radio stations are going to be taken over by Democrat owners who are going to be sure that something like this, uh, this, uh, this South Florida radio giant is under their control. This has been, the who, who do you think founded the Latino, now this is, uh, this is uh, uh, you know, this is out in the press now. This is uh, um, um, uh, in the AP world. You can read about it all over the place. Um, who do you think founded the Latino media network? Are you ready? Well, two guesses in the first one doesn't count. Former Obama White House staffers, Stephanie Valencia, and the former Hillary Clinton campaign aide, Jess Morales Raquero. Okay? They are claiming, when asked, that they're not going to have any content changes and that they won't diminish Radio Mombi's commitment to Cuba's freedom. Oh, really? If you believe that, I've got the old saying, marshland to sell you. So this is uh, all now the investors are all supporters of Democrat causes. Um, the biggest one, the investment firm, is, of course, George Soros. Um, he provided the seed money for this. And uh, according to what we have here in the article, and uh, uh, they are they are taking over this station because they think now here's the upside down universe. They think that the radio station has been putting out misinformation about communism, but they're going to keep the same content. Really? How's that going to work? So we've got. Our governor is aware of this, and he has stated publicly that, quote, Soros and his minions are coming with their ideological agenda. Now, I don't have an ideological agenda. I mean, I, I, I have a class and I present the material and you take it away and process it. After I've looked at all these things for a number of years, I think I see what's happening. But you may not see it, and I know that you have to come to the realization on your own. 
But I will say this at a very minimum. This is going to produce, as we near the election, all these collective issues going on, a summer of anxiety. People are more and more anxious. All this crap that Biden's coming up with about gas tax holiday, I'm going to deconstruct that in just a moment for you. That is totally just exactly like this, saying something which is the opposite of what you mean. So you keep your, your eye on this, okay? This is a big deal. 97% of all Hispanics in the United States are reached by radio monthly. And why is that? As I say, I was in line at a, at a little hamburger place here the other day, and in front of me was a Hispanic gentleman who turned to me, didn't know me, after he bought his hamburger and paid $15 for it, and just exclaimed, my God, I just paid $15 for a hamburger. And of course, I answered back to him, being the antagonist that I am, you ain't seen nothing yet. We're hanging on to this country by our fingertips. And he exploded and said, don't these Americans see what's happening to them? Don't they understand? We've seen this in South America. Don't they? And I said, no, they don't understand. They don't get it. They have been so spoiled and so comfortable. And so the children, the children run the parents. You know, this is a whole generation of selfishness. I said, they don't see it. He was very concerned because he came here because there's nowhere else to go. And now this is drying up. So I'm sure this fellow knows about what's going on in, uh, uh, in, 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 in South Florida with the battle for the Hispanic Airways. Keep your eye. Thank you. Uh, Mark, you're very informed, as always. Very informed. C.J. Jack Phillips, whatever happened to Kennedy Homes and 8th Avenue? They were torn down. Uh, uh, Mr. Emmer, years ago, put affordable housing on Fifth Avenue, torn down. Okay. They become pressure points for crime. Okay. Let's just face it. That's the way it is. Uh, become pressure points for crime. So I don't know. I'm just looking through here at some of the comments. Uh, the, 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 uh, Hopefully you'll you'll take that and put that in your day book, as my grandmother used to say. Uh, this summer of anxiety. Uh, let's just take a, take a look at the rocky road ahead. Just a couple of things that I've been researching, and you may agree with it, you may not agree with it, uh, but you probably already are experiencing it. Uh, first of all, it's going to be enormously challenging for working families. Uh, Inflation is going to be running at least 5.2%. Uh, we, I, I think, 10%. We, I'm on a board of a company, and we just met uh, recently and built into our budget a, a cost of 10% inflation. So we have to go up on our prices by 10% because we anticipate uh, um, um, our expenditures will go up by 10%. So uh, I don't believe for a moment that the inflation is going to be at 5.2%. Uh, I think it's going to be closer to 10. And if you're in a family budget, you need to build in 
uh, a cost of inflation of 10%, I would, I would think. Um, a lot of the net worth of people is in real estate. It's been overpriced here as mortgage rates were low. We get ready to see those prices come down and the real estate companies start to lay off some of their salespeople. Um, it's not going to be the activity because it's all, of course, contingent upon credit. Um, so these household income sheets, are you, you need to take a look at them. And we've done it with the companies I'm involved in, on the boards I'm on. And we've taken a, we really think uh, that you're going to have an unemployment rate of nearly 11%. Um, uh, you know, this whole crap about affordable housing is going to be uh, affected by it because the fast inflation rate is going to nullify, quote unquote, affordable nature of housing. Uh, it's not going to cover the labor and the inflationary cycle, uh, the grocery bills, the availability of food is even uh, uh, questionable. So the bottom line is that the uh, Fed has lifted the uh, uh, raised the interest rates and and they're, they're still historically very, very low. Uh, they can go higher. But the problem is uh, then they'll shut the place down. It's already been shut down by COVID. So this will obviously hurt uh, and stoke low income people hurt them the most who have very limited wiggle room with their budgets. When I was in leadership Gainesville, I was a part of the group called Blue and I was the labor union boss. And one of the things I learned in that SimSoc exercise, Simulation Society, which is an excellent uh, experience, is that if you are in the, uh, in the working uh, class of people, it's a so-called blue collar, you literally live paycheck to paycheck. But if the paycheck is buying less, then of course you've got to cut. And uh, there's less, less wiggle room and there's more anxiety. So uh, that, is, that is an analysis that uh, we took into consideration. Uh, that is out of uh, uh, the New York Times economics reporter, Gina Smialak came up with this analysis. And when the New York Times, which is a lefty organization out to Yang Yang, comes up with this type of forecast, uh, you can probably add a little bit to it because it's uh, been uh, uh, conservatively reached um, because it, the Times doesn't really want to admit that things are as bad as they are. Now, here's pretty much in people's minds, if I an anecdotally talk to them, they'll tell me that it all started when uh, Biden shut down the, um, uh, the pipeline. And, uh, and so it's even more sinister than that. And uh, this is another analysis, which I've run across by uh, yet another news source. And I, I consider that all of them, I consider the liberal and the conservative news sources. Uh, this is out of uh, a Washington Examiner, which tends to be more conservative. And by looking at all these across the continuum, I get a kind of a balanced idea of what's going on. But three specific things that Biden has done have, have, have led to increased grass price. He has canceled drilling leases, and he has limited domestic production, okay? Take your notes on that, class. Take your notes on that. Cancel drilling leases and limited domestic production. So when he falls off his bicycle, pressing the flesh, and says, I'll give you a, a, a gas tax holiday, it doesn't mean a thing, okay? 
It's future production that we will not have. And that's going to significantly affect the gas prices because the companies are factoring in their expectations about the future with decisions they're making today. Just as we did on our board, which met over this weekend, we had to uh, factor in now well, for the next year's budget what we thought would happen. And I see John Doles thinks that 10% is hopeful. Uh, if it's anything over that, John, we are in deep, deep doo-doo, and we might really be over. I, I understand what you're saying. So he is canceled. I'm looking at my time. He's canceled um, uh, the, the leases and limited domestic production. Uh, this is according to the examiner's analysis. He has choked regulations. Uh, he's, hey, I said in choking regulations that are imposing big costs um, and on all through the business world. It's a wide array of regulations, particularly on the energy sector, uh, which is inflicting billions in direct financial costs and incalculable indirect compliance costs. Those are not easily reversed. So there's a regulatory chokehold that's being imposed by Biden on all production uh, in the name of the Green New Deal. And the Green New Deal is probably the worst hoax perpetrated on mankind. So uh, this, and finally he has this anti-energy uh, rhetoric that discourages investment. Uh, he's been sending consistently negative messages and uh, he's been saying, we're gonna have to get rid of fossil fuels we have to phase out fossil fuels. Meanwhile, let me tell you that they cranked up the coal-fired uh, energy sources in Germany. They just did it. I mean, come on, come on. You know, this guy, you know, quit, quit playing with us. This is the feeling that we're getting. We're, we're, they're playing, he's playing games with us. And, and God knows he doesn't need to be playing games with something this serious. Well, that's my analysis for today. Uh, I hope it helped you understand uh, what's going on in the Wartscott files, and we appreciate your supporting us. Have a great day.